0: Well, good morning. Welcome back to the broadcast retirement network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN Sunday. For Sunday, September 3rd, 2023, we've got another great show for you this week as members of the Media, Academia, Financial Services, and Government are all standing by to break down all the news and events for the week. So sit back, relax, enjoy this episode of BRN Sunday.
1: But if you're tired of the same
0: We're going to kick things off with a look at what is happening on Capitol Hill. It's a lot these days as we head into the Labor Day weekend. Joining me on the line, you know them as the Legal Eagles. They're also known as David Levine, Kevin Walsh. Both are principals with Groom Law Group. That's an employee benefits law firm based in Washington, D.C. Eagles, great to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning.
2: Jeff, it is great to be here. You know, we hope everybody's enjoying Labor Day weekend. It is both exciting to head into fall because there's always something new, but also sad because summer is a lovely time. So, we look forward to rounding out our summer with you today.
0: Oh, that is so kind of you, David. I really appreciate it. And Kevin, I know you're you read a lot of TMZ, um, and a I lot think of TMZ, you, a lot of TMZ, right? Uh, you read a lot of TMZ. There's a lot going on, and there's been some some rumors afoot. I know you wanted to address what maybe what you may be hearing from some of the trade groups.
1: Uh, rumors afoot from the trade groups but i i was surprised that you know when david in the intro he didn't mention that it's Arissa's birthday weekend um so the retirement law that we all know and love uh you know it, it, it was enacted in 1974 around labor day weekend and you know here we are at another labor day weekend counting down another year with uh of Arissa, you know in action um but the the rumors that i want to talk about a little bit are it relates to the fiduciary rule and, and folks will remember this is a, a long-standing saga um you know, ERISA defines who a fiduciary is and the Department of Labor issued regulations in 1974 that really, you know, were designed or seemed to reflect a common law understanding of, of when someone is a fiduciary. Uh, DOL has taken a couple cracks at expanding the scope of who's a fiduciary. Um, the most significant effort was the 2016 effort that was struck down by the Fifth Circuit. You know, more recently, DOL uh, made tweaks around the definition of fiduciary in 2020 in the preamble to a, an exemption that enacted, uh, again, you know, some of those tweaks were struck down, uh, by a district court recently. Uh, and it looks as though if the, the trade groups are to be believed, uh, we could be, you know, one month to two months away from seeing DOL take another bite of the apple, um, of trying to expand the scope of who is an ERISA fiduciary. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes, you know, until we see the proposal there's, there's really no great way of knowing if they've made an effort to comply with the judicial decisions. Um, but it's going to be a challenge for them after they've released the proposal. Cause I, I would suspect that, that folks will really dig in to see how any amended definition comports and complies with, you know, kind of the, the myriad of decisions we've gotten in the past six years that really, seem to suggest that in order to be a fiduciary, one has to be in a relationship of trust and competence. And then have suggested that, you know, at least some sales activity uh, doesn't meet that threshold. But, you know, enough about rumors, you know, David, is there any concrete guidance or anything you want to expand on?
2: Sure. And, and I would love <laughs> to expand on that. And, and I, although I have to add one comment on Kevin's section, I feel like this gives us a great chance once this comes out uh, to actually do our classic, how a bill becomes a law section again, where we talk about what happens towards the end of a presidential administration in case there's a change and the timelines involved. But that'll be you know your deep thought for Labor Day weekend here. So talking about concrete guidance for, for that we actually have, on last week's call, we said, we think we're going to get the, the IRS catch-up relief or catch-up guidance. And we did. So boiling it down to the basics. If you are a plan sponsor, you've got two years. You have until 2026. In the meantime, you're basically treated as in compliance, which is great. The IRS guidance is incredible, friendly, friendly to sponsors and industry as a whole. Similarly, if you are a service provider, like a record keeper or third party administrator, this is a chance to really get a lot of the systems and the plumbing between you and payroll companies and your clients into place. There's a lot of questions that are, remain to be addressed, but the IRS put out some very good guidance. I'll hit just a couple pieces that pushes it off, which gives us time to engage with them because there's a lot of questions about how you operate this. But the IRS told us a couple things where they expect the guidance to go at, at this point is that, for instance, for multiple employer plans and PEPs, we haven't talked about those in a while that you sort of look employer by employer right, in terms of who has to be Roth and not based on prior year compensation. In English, it's very workable. In, in addition, the IRS put it, did some good things for governmental plans in there. For instance, governmental plans, if they, they talk about what is FICA wages and other items. That's great as well. And the IRS is also exploring the question, they didn't give a position on this, uh, about can you basically say that for anybody who earns over the $145,000 trigger that would make things catch-ups have to be Roth, we could just not allow them to make catch-up contributions. There's all these interesting things. We are working with a number of trades and a number of clients on comments. The reality is there's a lot to go forward, but now is a chance to breathe and f- breathe and figure things out. So it is a real positive, great guidance from the IRS. I think everybody's very appreciative. I know they were kind enough to meet with us for, for our clients. It was great to see when they came out. So a real positive.
0: Gentlemen, I just want to go back and thank you for that, David. And David, it was always a great ha- seeing you uh, virtually on the, uh, on the show as well. I want to go back to something Kevin said. I didn't realize it was Arissa's birthday weekend. Um, any reaction to that? Any, any well wishes for Arisha?
2: Sure. You know, f- first of all, uh This is kind of like the last (laughs) of the forties for Arissa, because next year Arissa's fifty. So this is kind of like Arissa, the end of Arissa's youth. Once you're fifty, you leave the Nielsen demographic. It's a whole other discussion. As someone who's over forty-nine and fifty, myself, you know, I really appreciate how my demographics have changed. So I think it's great for Arissa to be forty-nine, but next year is the big blowout year. So I'm sure we'll. Ah, uh, Kevin.
0: Any thoughts from you beyond what we you've already mentioned? I mean, you know, when when I, we used to joke when I was a record keeper with my buddy Chris McGraw that the Almond Brothers had a song called "Sweet Erissa" instead of Melissa. That's not really the case. But any any further uh, thoughts from you before we close the segment?
1: I mean, I I, I think I've already hit on the idea of you know Erissa's birthday is a big thing. The only thing I'd add is that when David said he was going to talk about some concrete guidance. I was really hoping it was going to be about physical concrete instead of about taxes but you know I I, I think it was a, <laughs> okay. a great update anyway. Well
2: Jeff if you'll indulge me for 30 seconds. Let's of about, course. Let's talk about concrete. You know, what's the re- best mix on rebar? Uh,
1: I think we should that should be here. our
2: discussion. I think that should be our discussion next week. So I'll leave it at that and wish everybody a happy holiday week. Yeah. Well
0: happy well gentlemen thank you. Gentlemen, thank you so much. And and uh, look, the, both these gentlemen, they're so smart when it comes to a risk and benefits, but they're also great at home improvement. We're going to tap into that next week. Gentlemen, enjoy your Labor Day weekend, and we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon.
1: Thank you, Jeff, and thanks, listeners.
0: Imagine a new television network that will make you To the next frontier of retirement and savings, this is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Welcome back. And recently I sat down with Dr. Risa Kagan of American Bone Health to discuss the health consequences for women of osteoporosis. Let's give it a listen. Dr. Kagan, great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning.
3: It's my pleasure.
0: Yeah, we're gonna talk about osteoporosis, talk about bone health. And before we kind of get into what this means for men and for women, what is osteoporosis?
3: Osteoporosis is a metabolic bone disease, okay? So, and what it happens is people's bones, which are living tissue, people don't think of bone as being living tissue. That's what I find to be interesting talking to a lot of my patients, is that it is really an organ in the body. And what happens is there's a metabolic disease that makes it very porous, holy, and frail. And it, it leads one for being susceptible for a fracture. And it's you know extremely important, common. And the problem is, is that it's not like a sexy disease. It's not like people who think about heart disease and strokes and you know, breast cancer or cancer but it is actually, there's more fractures from osteoporosis worldwide than, than, you know, heart attacks and strokes and cancer. And people just don't pay enough attention to it.
0: And and what age range, is there an age range and does this affect men more than women?
3: No, it affects women more than men because it has something to do with hormones. Um, But one thing i say to people is the two biggest risk factors for osteoporosis is age age is an independent risk factor as we age your risk of fracture and developing this disorder increases and genetics is another big one which we can't modify that's your genes but there are many other modifiable risk factors it is more common in women than men because of the fact that there is a definite interplay between hormones, estrogen specifically, and as women go through menopause, we've learned that even prior to that woman's final period where hormones start declining, women start losing bone mass. For men, they tend to develop this risk a little bit later. And that's why when you look at the screening guidelines, it is a bit later than for men than for women. And there's no question that it's more common in women than men, but it does exist in men as well. And how, you mentioned the screening guidelines. If I am a, a
0: female, how do I determine if, I'm, if, I, if I have this, if I am going to be suffering from it?
3: Well, we're very lucky now, years and years ago, the only way people were diagnosed is if they fell and they fractured. Well, we now have a tool called a bone density. Um, Some people, uh, a DEXA machine, um, where the convention is to measure your spine and your hip. And in certain conditions, we do the forearm. And we now can predict who is at risk for fracture based on that bone density. We define osteoporosis in multiple ways, which a lot of people don't are not aware of. You know, one definition for sure is a certain measurement on the bone density that gives you osteoporosis, whether you've had a fracture or not. But a lot of people do not realize that if you, over the age of 45 or 50, you trip and fall, even on from standing height, it's called a fragility fracture, The streets that you live on, you fall and break your wrist, break your ankle, break your hip, break your pelvis. Even with a bone density that may not be in the category of osteoporosis, by definition, that is called a clinical fracture. And I think this is a big message to get out there to the public, men and women because people come in all the time you know someone comes in my office 70 75 year old woman look my bone density it doesn't look that bad it's not in the osteoporosis range it's in the what we call osteopenia or low bone mass range but she just fell and fractured her pelvis that is called that is a definition of osteoporosis and she needs to pay attention to that be evaluated and be treated because she is at risk for future fractures, especially in that first year of having had a fracture.
0: Dr. Kagan, I wanna talk about treatment in the second segment, but just going back to this test, is this something that if you have insurance or you're on Medicare, that it would cover this DEXA DEXA scan so that you can determine whether or not you have osteoporosis?
3: Yes, for sure. All women over the age of 65, every guideline Medicare will say should have a bone density test to decide, to assess whether you have low bone mass, which is called osteopenia, but with other risk factors, that may make you into a high risk factor where we say you really have maybe clinical osteoporosis as well, or you do have osteoporosis, so over 65 for women, and over 70 for men, plus younger men and women if they have other risk factors. So a woman comes in at 55, and she just tripped and fell and broke her humerus, her her arm or her leg, she should have an evaluation and a bone density because she may have osteoporosis. It's not like it doesn't exist in younger women and men. So for instance, someone else on a high-risk medication, There are a list of medications like steroids and many medications we use for cancer treatments that make people at risk. So those people should have a bone density prior to the age of 65 or 70.
0: We're going to have to leave it there. Thanks so much, Dr. Kagan. Really appreciate the insight. It's such important information. And that wraps up this episode of BRN Sunday. Have a topic of interest, Somebody you think we should talk to, then drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more in all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives? Then check out our website. We're back again on Tuesday. That's right. Monday we're off because of the Labor Day holiday, but we're back again for another edition of BRN AM on Tuesday, September 5th. We'll see you then. Have a great rest of your weekend.